Ashley Brock reading Diana Palmer's book, Leo, chapter 11. And you guessed it. It's the last chapter. Not only did Corrigan, Ray, and Cag show up for supper with their wives, Dory, Meredith, and Tess, but Simon and Tara came all the way from Austin on a charter jet. Jenny had just taken off her apron after producing a large pan of biscuits, adding them to the delicious bread table that Barbara and her assistant had arranged before they left. All four couples arrived together, the others having picked up Simon and Tara at the Drinkersville Airport on the way. Leo and Janie met them at the door. Leo looked unprepared. All of you? He explained something. I didn't believe them, he said, pointing at the other three boats. I had to come and see for myself. We didn't believe them either, they pointing at Leo. They all looked at Janie, who moved closer to Leo and blushed. If she's pregnant, your dad can't tell Leo pointly when he saw the look on Janie's face. Lean closer before Leo could recover enough to protest. Have you been beating her? She is most certainly not pregnant, Leo said offended. And you four ought to know that I have never hit a woman in my life. But he hit the guy who did this to me, Janie said with pride, smiling up at him as she curled her fingers into his big ones. Not effectively, I'm afraid. Leo confessed. That's just because the guy had a black belt, Janie said, defending nobody but a sister police chief had the experience to bring him down. Yes, I know, Grier, Simon said solemnly. He's something of a legend in law enforcement circles, even in Austin. <sighs> We can do wedding invitations if we email them tonight. Cack said off here and he pulled a list from his pocket. This is a list of people we need to invite. I can get this symphony orchestra to play, but he said not enough. I've got their conductor's home phone number in my pocket. He pulled out. Ah, we can buy the gown online and have it overnight. And hear from me and Marcus in Dallas. Corrigan Walter. All we need is her dress size. What are you, a size 10? Katie. Both visibly, but not nodded. Here comes, here comes her father, Dory said enthusiastically, noting the new arrival. I'll email the announcement to the newspaper, Tess said. They have a Tuesday edition. We can just make it. We'll need a photo. There was a flash. Tara changed the setting on her digital camera. How's this, she asked, showing it to Tess and Meredith. Great, Meredith says. We can use Leo's computer to download it and email it straight to the paper. So they'll have it first thing tomorrow. We can email it to the local television station as well. Come on. Mommy, mommy. Wait for me. I'll write the announcement. Dory called the Corrigan, following along behind the woman. Hey, Jenny explained. What? Sierra asked. Oh, yes. The reception. It can be held here. But the cake. We need a caterer. Cag can call the caterer. So I'm volunteering for it's my wedding, Janie protested. Well, of course it is, dear. Kara said to her, Let's go, girls. The women vanished into Leo's study. The men went into a huddle. Janie's father and Hetty came in the open door looking shell-shocked. Never mind them. Leo said, drawing Janie to meet her parent and housekeeper. They're taking care of the arrangements. He added, waving his hand in the general direction of his brothers and sister. Apparently, it's going to be a big wedding with a formal gown and caterers and newspaper coverage. She grinned. You can come, of course. Janie hit him. We are going. We were going to have a nice, quiet little wedding. Uh, you go tell them that, honey. He told told Janie. You don't. 
just don't expect them to listen. As he started giggling, Janie glared at her. You don't remember, do you? The housekeeper asked Leo helped them do the same thing to Dory and Tierra and Tess and even Meredith. It's payback time. They're getting even. I'm afraid so. Leo told Janie with a smuggler. Well, look at the bright side. You can just sit back and relax and not have to worry about a single detail. But my dress, she protested. He patted on her. They'll have a wonderful taste. You shared it. Fred was grinning from ear to ear. He never would have believed one man could move so fast, but he seen the way Leo looked at Janie just this morning, just the morning before. It's no surprise to him that a wedding was forthcoming. He knew a man who was head over heels when he saw one. By the end of the evening, Janie had approved the wedding gown, provided the statistics and details of her family background and education, climbed into the car with Leo to let him take her home. The rings will be ready Tuesday, they promised, he told her at her father's door. He smiled to him. It will be a beautiful look bride. I can't believe it, she said softly, searching his lean face. He drew a Wednesday night, you'll believe it, he said huskily, and bit the kisser with obvious strength. Now, good night. He walked to the car, she drifted inside, wrapped in dreams. It was a honey of a social wedding for something so hastily concocted, especially with Christmas approaching. It went off perfectly. Even the rings were ready on time. The dress arrived by special overnight delivery. The blood tests and marriage licenses were promptly produced. The minister engaged. Press coverage assured the caterer on time. Nothing, absolutely nothing went wrong. Janie stood beside Leo at the heart ranch at a makeshift arch blasted with pink and white roses while they spoke their vows. Janie had a veil because Leo had insisted, and after the words of the marriage ceremony were spoken, he lifted the veil from Janie's soft eyes from Janie's soft eyes and looked at her with smoldering possession. He bent and kissed her tenderly, his lips barely pressing hers. She had a yellow bruise on one cheek, and she was careful to keep that side away from the camera. But Leo didn't seem to notice the blemish. <laughs> you were the most beautiful bride who ever spoke for vows. He whispered as he kissed her, and I will cherish you until you lay me down and dump <laughs> She reached up and kissed him back, triggering a burst of enthusiastic adores that he was only able to curb belatedly. He drew away from her, smiling sheepishly at her audience, caught her hand and led her back to the house for a shower of rice. The brothers were on the job even then. The press was delicately prompted to leave after the cake and punch were consumed. The sympathy orchestra was coaxed to load their instruments. The guests were delighted delightedly led to the door and thanked, and the brothers carried their wives away in a flurry of good wishes, and at last, the newlyweds were alone in their own home. They looked at Janie with eyes that made her heart race. Alone, he whispered, approaching her slowly. At last, he bent and lifted her tenderly and carried her down the hall to the bedroom. He locked the door, took the phone off the hook, and closed the curtains. He came back to her where she stood, a little apprehensive, just inside the closet. I'm not going to hurt you, he said, so you're a priceless treasure. I'm going to be slow and tender. I'm going to give you all the time you need. Don't be afraid of me. I'm not really, she said huskily, watching him divest her of the veil. And the hairpins that held her elaborate coffin in place with springs of lily of the, of the valley. But you want me so much, to try to explain. What if I can't satisfy you, Mila? 
you underestimate yourself. Are you sure? He turned her around so that he could undo the delicate hooks and snap them down. I'm sure. She let him strip her down to her lacy camisole with white soft stockings and lacy white garter belt, her eyes feeding on the delighted expression that claimed his lean face. Beautiful, he said, I love you in white lace. You're not bad in a morning coat, she teased, like in the best great ceremonial rigging. Oh my, without it, he teased. Let's find out. She unbuttoned his coat and then the vest under it. He obliging stripped them off for her along with his tie and left the shirt buttons to her hands. He got cufflinks, she murmured, trying to release them. I'll do it. And he moved to the chest of drawers and put his cufflinks in a small box, along with his pocket change and keys. Paused to remove his shirt and slacks, shoes, and socks before he came back to her in silky gray boxer shorts, like the ones he wore in the night they were almost intimate. <clears throat> You are magnificent, she whispered, running her hands over his chest. You have no idea how magnificent yet. He unsnapped the shorts and let them fall, coaxing her eyes to him. He shivered at the expression on her face because he was far more potent than he'd been the one time she looked at him like this. While she was gaping, he unfastened the camisole with a delicate flick of his fingers and unhooked the garter belt, stripped the whole of it down her slender body, and tipped her back onto the bed while he pulled the stockings off with the remainder of her clothing, pulled back the cover and tossed the pillows off to the side before he arranged her on the crisp white sheets and stood over her, vibrating with desire, his eyes eating her nude body from the top nipples to visible trembling Mommy. of her long parted lips. Mommy. Parted legs, sorry. She watched him come down to her with faint apprehension that suddenly vanished when he pressed his open mouth down hard right on her soft belly. He never touched her like that, and in the next few feverish minutes, she went from shock to greater shock as he displayed his knowledge woman. No, you can't, you can't, she saw, but he was. He did. He hath. She arched up toward his mouth. The tears of torture, ecstasy, ran down her cheeks in a firestorm of sensation, sobbing as the pleasure stretched her right as a rope under the warm, expert motions of his lips. She gasped at the wave beginning to hit her. Her eyes opened and his face was there, his body suddenly right over her, his hips thrusting down. She felt him and then looked and saw him, even as she felt the small stabbing pain of his invasion, the sight of what was happening. Numb the pain, and then it was gone altogether as he shifted roughly, dragging his hips against hers as he enforced his possession of her innocence. Her nails bit into his long back as he moved on her, insisting, demanding, his face above her, restrained, intent. Am I hurting you? He growled. No, she gasped and toward him, her eyes wide, shot, fascinated. He looked down, looked at himself so that he could watch her body absorb him. Look. Look at us. She glanced down and her breath caught at the intimate sight that met her eyes. We're barely begun to shifting suddenly, fiercely against her. She sobbed, shivered. He did it again, watching her face, assessing her reaction. I can feel you all around me like a soft warm glove, he whispered, his legs compressing 
a pleasure shot through with every deepening motion of his hoops. Take me, baby. Take me inside you. Take all of me. Make me scream, baby, he murmured. She was out of her mind with the pleasure he was giving her. She wilted under him, arching her hips, pushing against him, watching his face. She shifted and he groaned harshly. She laughed through her own torment and suddenly cried out as the pleasure became more and more unbearable. Her hands went between them in a fever of desire. Yes, he moaned as he fluttered dreamily up. Yes, oh God, baby, do it, do it, do it. She was going to die. She opened her eyes and looked at him, feeling her body pulse as he shortened and deepened his movements, watching her with his mouth compressed, his eyes fevered. Do it harder, she choked. He groaned in anguish, and his hips crowned into hers. Suddenly, his hands catching her wrists and slamming them. Over her head as he moved fiercely above her, his eyes holding her prisoner as his body forced its possession violently. She felt her body strain to accommodate him, and in the last few mad seconds, she wondered if she would be able to. He blurred in her sight. She was shaking, and her whole body rippled in a shuddering parody of convulsions, whipping against his while her, her mouth opened, gasping at air, and her voice uttered sounds she'd never heard from it in her entire life. Get it, he groaned. Yes, get it. He cried out, and then his body, too, began shuddering rhythmically. A sudden little a sound, like a harsh sob, tore from his throat. He groaned endlessly as his body shivered into completion. Seconds, minutes, hours, an eternity of pleasure later, he collapsed on her. They both shivered in the aftermath. She felt tears on her face and her mouth. She couldn't breathe. Her body ached even inside, and when she moved, felt pleasure stabbed her in the most secret places where she could still feel him. She sobbed, her nails biting into the hands, pinning her wrists. He whispered. When she did, he began to move again. She sobbed harder, her legs parting, her hips lifting for him, her whole body shivering in a maelstrom of unbelievable delight. I can go again right now. He was rusty old man. Can you? Oh, will it hurt? I can't. Oh, pain, she whimpered, her eyes closed on shivered, and it opened again, right into his, oh, please, she was reversed, please, please, he began to move her, she watching you, reversed, her face is beautiful, like this, her body, looked down at it, watching its central movements in response to his own, I could eat you with a spoon right now, Mrs. Hart, he added, taking every human perfection that I've ever had. And you were mine, she whispered. She lifted up to him, initiating the rhythm, whimpering softly as the pleasure became the final. I love you so much, she sobbed. Body clenched. He groaned, arched his face going into resort as his body took over from his mind and buffeted her violently. He went over the edge almost at once, holding on for dear life while he took what he wanted from him. It was feverish overwhelming. She thought she might faint from the ecstasy when it throbbed into endless sedation. He went with her every second of the way. She felt him with she felt him when his body gave up the pleasure. He sought felt the rigor, held the helpless throb of his violent voice at her ear when he shuddered on him relaxed completely. She held him close, drinking in the intimate sound and feel and scent of his big body over hers in the damp bed. Had been long, wild loving. She never imagined 
even in their most passionate encounters, that lovemaking would be like this. She told him so, and Shag whispered. He didn't answer. He was still quiet for such a long time that she became like, Are you all right? She whispered at his ear. Over her, she could hear and feel the beat of his heart as it slowly calmed. His head lifted very slowly. He looked into her wide eye. I lost consciousness for a few seconds. He said quietly. He touched her lower lip, swollen from the fear pressure of his mouth. I thought I might die trying to eat deep enough to satisfy, satisfy both. He flushed, put his finger over her lips. He wasn't smiling. He moved deliberately, letting her. You want on the field, he said. I was too hot to even think of any sort of control chain. Yeah, it is. I think I made you pregnant. Your eyes were too. You said you wanted to. She remembered in a whisper, reminding him. I do, but it should have been your choice, too. He continued, sounding worried. She traced his long, elegant nose and smiled with deliciously soft. Did you hear me shouting, Leo? Stop and run to the pharmacy to buy protection. He laughed despite the gravity of the situation. Is that about time I was going to get a baby? He hit his chest, flushed, and then left. He did, too, didn't you? He asked his mother, so did I, repeatedly. He groaned as he moved slowly away from her, flopped onto his back, stretching his long muscles. Damn, I'm sorry. And I told you I could go all night, didn't I? She sat up, torn between shock and amusement as she met his face. What, sore? You don't get sore? When they go at it like that, they do. He replied, I on a wedding night. He said, whistling through his lips as he studied her new body. Appreciatively, if they gave medals, you could have two. Her eyebrows like, really? I was, I was all right. He tugged her down. Women have eager suit all day. He asked tenderly. Pushed her damp pair away from her cheeks. You were delicious. I've never enjoyed a woman so much. I didn't know anything at all. He brought her head down and kissed her eyes. It isn't a matter of knowledge. She said that. You had enough of that for both of us, you remember. Bodies in the dark, he said, making it sound like I wanted to have you in the light, Jamie. He said, oh, I wanted to look at you while I was talking to taking you. That's a sexist remark, she did. He took me as well, he conceded. He touched her mouth on a long forehead. I've never seen anything so beautiful, he whispered. And sounded breath. Your face, your body, face, and the pleasure. His eyes closed. I've never known anything like it. His eyes opened. It was love, he whispered to his crowd. Making love. Really making love. Her heart caught in her throat. traced a sideburn to his ear. Yes. And what I'm trying to tell you, he asked why. She looked down into his eyes and saw it there. Her heart jumped into her. You're telling me that you love me, she said. He nodded. I love you. I knew it when Clark assaulted you and I went at him. I heard my pride that I couldn't make him beg for forgiveness. I cleaned you up and dried your hair. I knew that I loved you all at once. It wasn't really, a, it was a very small step from there to a wedding ring. He brought hers to his lip and kissed it to me. I couldn't bear the thought of losing you. Not after that. He smiled at me. I loved you two years ago when you bought me a wilted old daisy you picked out in the meadow and teased me about it being was okay. You didn't know it, but to me it was. I'm giving you all our time, he told me with obvious regret. I'm sorry. She leaned down and kissed him to me. 
We made up for it. She moved restantly against us. I really could go all night, Susie. When you recover, I'll show you. He chuckled under the soft press of her mouth. His big arms long. When you, you recovered, I'll let you. I love you, Mrs. Hart. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all mine. She kissed him again and thought how dreams did sometimes actually come true. A week later, they celebrated their first Christmas together at a family party to which Janie's father, Aunt Lydia, and Hetty were also invited. After kissing her with exquisite tenderness beneath the mistletoe, Leo gave Janie an emerald necklace to match her eyes, he said. She gave him an expensive pocket watch with his name and hers engraved inside the case. On New Year's Eve, the family gathered with other families at the Jacobsville Civic Center for the first annual celebration. A live band played favorites and couples danced on the polished wood floor. Gallon Ballinger had news allowed that since Jacobsville economy was based on cattle and agriculture, they should drop a pair of horns instead of a ball to mark the New Year. He was red-faced at the celebration when the city fathers took him seriously and did that very thing. While Leo and Janie stood closer on the patio of the second floor ballroom to watch the neon set of longhorns go down to the count, a surprising flurry of snow came tumbling from the sky to dust the heads of the trout. It's snowy, Janie explained, holding out her hand to catch the fluffy preparation. But it never snows in Jacobsville. Well, almost never. Leo got her close as the horns went to the bottom of the courthouse, towered across the street, and bent their mouth. One more wish come true. He teased because he knew how much he loved them. Happy New Year, darling. Happy New Year, she whispered back and met his kiss with loving enthusiasm. To the amused glance of the other guests, they were, after all, newlyweds. The New Year came and soon brought, brought with it an unexpected tragedy. John Clark went to Bank of Victoria to get his jailed brother a famous attorney, but he didn't have any money, so he tried to rob a bank to get the money. He was caught in the act by a security guard and a Texas Ranger who was working on a case locally. John Dunn was one of the two men who exchanged shots with Clark in front of the Victorian bank and trust. Clark missed. John the security guard didn't. The Lexus text word required to pinpoint new file of bank shop. Jack Clark, soon John Victoria, was let out long ago. Long enough to attend his brother's funeral in, in Victoria, he escaped from the kindly sheriff's deputy who was bringing him back in only handcuffs instead of handcuffs and leg chains. After all, Jack Clark had been so docile and polite and even cried at his brother's grave. The deputy was rewarded for his compassion by him being knocked over the head twice with the butt of his gun, 38 caliber service revolver, and left for dead in a driving rain in the grass next to the Victorian road. Later that day, his squad car was found deserted a few miles away outside Victoria. It was the talk of the town for several days, and Leo and Janie stayed close to home because they knew Clark had scores to settle all around Jacobsville. They were in their own little world, filled with love. They barely heard all the buzz and gossip, but what they did hear was about Tippy Moore and Cash Grier. Tippy's not Grier's sort, gave him emergency finger. They didn't do a lot of sleepy. Sleeping or not, even now, she cuddled up in her husband's lap and rubbed her. He needs someone who is gentle and sweet, not a heartbeat. And he wrapped her up close and kissed the top of her. What would you know about heartbeats? He's just the single sweetest human being I've ever known. He's all woke up for me, of course. He had a little heart, she exclaimed on the. She said I was sweet and remembered in the book. He said it at least six times. 
You're calling my back all the time. I swear that you were never going to live through what I was doing to you. She took his head down and kissed her mother. You're sweet, all right. She was crazy. It was a groan. They were never going to make it to the bed. But the doors were locked. So what the hell? An hour later, he carried her down the hall to the bedroom and tucked her up next to him, exhausted and still smiling. At least, he said, really. Hopefully Clark will go to prison for a long, long time when he's caught. He won't be in a position to threaten you again. Who are you? She curled closer. Did I tell you that Marley phoned me yesterday? He said, no. <laughs> it's okay. She only wanted to apologize. She's going to Europe to visit her grandmother in London. I told her to have a nice trip. London's almost far enough away. She sighed, wrapping her arms around her. We eat dinner and she'll never know what it is to be happy as we go. We will. We tease, but... A look he gave her was serious, touched her hair, watching her succumb to sleep. He lay awake for a long time, his eyes intent on her slender, sleeping body. She made wonderful biscuits. She could shoot a shotgun. She made love like a fairy, wondered what he'd ever done in his life to deserve her. She whispered, chuckling, well, honey. She nuzzled her face into a certain melted in. Dreams come true, she whispered, falling asleep again. Touched her lips with his. Moves back her long hair. Yes, my darling. He whispered with a long, sweet smile. Dreams come true. The end. Super cute. I know.